you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, welcome to Monday. Thanks for letting us uh, help you start off your work week. We really do appreciate that. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We appreciate them as well. Uh, we will open the phone lines up in the last segment. Get your take. I, I, um, I'm i going to make a specific call. Now, let me just say, if you don't fall into the category of uh, persons that I'm going to request that you call in because I want to hear from you, you can still call in and offer your commentary. Mm-hmm. But I have a specific desire to hear from listeners that fall in a specific category. So be listening for that. And if you happen to be in that category, uh, let Sherry B. know. Um, so that we'll we'll know because I, I really I really do want to hear from a specific group of people today. You'll you'll understand why as we get into the program. Um, but again, let me also say, if you're not in that specific category of people, I still want to hear from you. This is what we're doing on a regular basis. We are looking at what is happening in the culture and we are providing commentary through a biblical lens. So we are responding according to um, the conviction that is ours, excuse me, ours because of the word of God. So. Amen. Anyways, we'll we'll um, get into it, and then hopefully it'll make more sense why I'd be looking to hear uh, from a specific group of people. You'll understand why. All right. Uh, today's topic is the racism of the anti-racists. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. It's the racism of the anti-racists. Yeah. And specifically what I want to look at is how the racism of the anti-racists continues to destroy black people. Guys, you listen to this program enough to know, if in fact you do, you listen to this program enough to know that um, Miki <laughs> does not know how, and when I when I sometimes don't know how to find the words that I think are going to soften it up enough for people, um, if I if I can't find those words, then I just don't talk, right? Because I'm not I'm not in the habit of trying to create like a soft way way that people can just you know feel comfortable around like i I just that's not the way that i'm geared yeah Uh, i do understand that there are times when you have a conversation where you know i i try to be measured i'm never ever trying to be sensational for sensation's sake like i'm just uh, you know but but i do think that we have lost our ability in this country to just just speak like not to be reckless and there's a difference but to just tell it like you know you say just straight up like just can you just tell it straight up right Man, I'm getting some weird feedback in my headphones. I don't know what that is. I don't know if other people can hear it, um, but I can hear some weirdness going on in my headphones. So I'll just say that to Jeff. Um, all right. So today I'm gonna just I'm gonna just be very frank. We're talking about the racism of the anti-racist. Those who say that they are doing better or trying to make our country better are really destroying our country. Um, of course, you know that our focus is on the church and you know what happens with the people of God. At the same time, we live in the United States of America. So we are tasked with living out our faith, being salt and light in the country that we live in. Um, 
the anti-racists are destroying our country. The anti-racists are destroying schools in America. The anti-racists are attempting to destroy churches in America. Unfortunately, they are enjoying a huge amount of success, these anti-racists. And we've already done shows where we've pointed out what they mean when they say anti-racist and how they kind of get around creating this new term to make themselves seem morally superior to you. Yeah. Okay. And so we've already been over it, but in the event that there's still some confusion out there, understand that the difference is when a person says that he or she is an anti-racist, first of all, they are just parroting Imbram X Kendi <laughs> talking points. Right. Okay. That's it. Because it sounds, because right. on the surface, it sounds like, okay, anti-racist. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a good thing. Right. So, number one, they're just parroting talking points. All right, that's number one. Number two, the way that they have come to define it is that if you are an anti-racist, you are putting some action right. to your disdain or your dislike or your rejection of racism. So, anti-racism calls you to do something. Right. Guys, and this is so intentional on the on these people's part. Right. All right. Calls you it calls you to do something. So if you're not doing something, if you are just saying you're not racist, that's not enough. That's the same thing as being a part of the problem. Remember, we played some clips. We we've gone over this. Go back and listen to those shows, okay? Because I re, I'm gonna get into the thick of it right now. So now the anti-racists are destroying the opportunity for black children in this country mm. to be adopted. Yep. Now listen to me. I don't care. I don't care. We say it gently. <laughs> what people think about what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Because the numbers don't lie. Black kids disproportionately are overwhelming the foster care system and they need homes. Black families are not lining up to take them. It's true. Miki, why are you saying that? I'm saying that because Jump the Shark Bethany Christian Services, mm-hmm. which they need to rethink their name. They need to rethink their name, all right? Maybe they just shorten it to Bethany services or maybe they go by like just, you know, letters as some groups do when they don't want to draw attention mm-hmm. to what they once were. <laughs> you know how they do. Oh, yeah. They just become BCS. All right. Because they don't want to be too, you know, maybe they need to do that. <laughs> so Bethany earlier this month released a report that they used to support their decision to not allow white families to adopt black children. Let me say that to you again. Bethany quote unquote Christian services believes that white families adopting black children causes trauma to black children. This is a a result of the whole wokeness and you know, the trauma. This, this is what it looks like when 
the Marxists, the critical race theorists call you to be an anti-racist. You have to do stuff. You see, you, you understand, you, you see why we have to set this all up so that you understand you have to do something. You can't just not be racist. It's crazy. And this is all their words, right? Like, you know, that's that's not moving the ball forward. And the doing stuff is hurting the people that you say that you're trying to advocate for. Listen, Will the Great, <laughs> if I can just tell you how much that I'm I'm practicing being very measured right now. <laughs> I just want you to know. People say She's, when I slow down in my communication, it is to allow for me to be able to sense the Holy Spirit so I know when to stop. Amen. Amen. Self-control. Self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Okay? This angers me. This angers me to the core. Yeah. Because these people, these people, and I don't care what color skin they dwell in, these people do not care about black people. Yep. Please understand. And we need to get more and more comfortable just saying that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done with the like, you know, that's why when one of our callers, I think on Friday, I think it was Friday or maybe it was Thursday. One of our callers said, you know, I have a daughter who's going, going to be a teacher. And what should she do if the schools start adopting this? Man, I think she just needs to be honest. You know, and we need to start telling the truth. Yeah. We need to ask. We need to ask really honest questions, not just the politically correct questions. We need to ask really honest questions. So if you're a white teacher and you're going into the public school system and they're going to be forcing you to adopt anti-racist theories. Then you need to say, oh, so you want me you want me to tell black kids that they're inferior to white kids? Is that that is that what we're doing now? This goes against all my conviction, but if that's what you want me to do. So now you've got Bethany, quote unquote, Christian services. Here's the story. This is from Newsweek earlier this month. Newsweek article written by a woman named Naomi Schaefer Riley, who is a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And I think she does an amazing job. There are a few other places where this information um, has been disseminated, like uh, articles. But I I found this article just in doing some some cross checking and, and trying to see, you know, where did the story come from? And I think that Naomi Schaefer Riley does a fantastic job in capturing the hypocrisy and um, where we ultimately end up as a culture. Guys, let me tell you, man. All right. Let's just go to the article here. <laughs> Speaking about her organization starting, um, I'm sorry, startling new report. Bethany Christian Services Vice President Sherry Williams told the Associated Press that allowing white families to adopt black children from the foster care system, quote, can cause a lot of harm to children of color, end quote. As a result, Bethany, one of the largest adoption agencies in the country, favors overhauling the Multi-Ethnic Placement Act, which bars racial discrimination in placing a child into an adoptive family. As part of its long journey toward becoming an anti-racist organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to do stuff. Do you see, guys? Do you see? Even if it hurts the people. Bethany's leaders now believe a child's race should be considered, quote, as part of the best interest determination for child placement, end quote. How the agency arrived at this backward view that determining the most welcoming 
stable and potentially permanent home for a child should involve matching their skin color with that of the adults involved is worth understanding both because it bodes ill for the tens of thousands of children of all races. I don't like some of the way (laughs) I'm reading an article to you people (laughs) and it's going to take me days to parse it out. Some might say, Miki, why didn't you just write it? And that's probably the best thing, right? (laughs) I don't agree with everything in the way that it's said in this article, but, but here it is. Okay. Children of all races who need permanent homes. And because it demonstrates just how quickly our understanding of discrimination has shifted in recent years. Now, let me pause for a second. And I just want to run a highlighter over this for you in your mind. When you hear that a person has chosen to identify as an Mm anti-racist, what I want you to immediately do is categorize them as a racist. Yeah. Why? Because when a person says, I'm an anti-racist, they are telling you something about a particular position and a particular point of view that they have in culture. And that point of view, by definition, is that they immediately and primarily, chiefly view all people through the lens of the color of their skin. That is racist. Yeah. That is, that is a demonstration of partiality. There are people who try to skirt around that and come out from under that by saying, nope, nope. Racism involves power and power structures. That is a lie. Partiality is a sin of the heart. It takes place whether you have power or not. That's right. But when you adopt ideologies, right, and you do not exalt the word of God, then you start looking for these definitions that these people are free to change and make up on the fly all the time. And that's what they're doing all the time, making up words, giving new definitions, new meanings to old words, and then people just start using them. So here is what I am suggesting to you very strongly. When a person says something to you and they're attempting to signal virtue, they're attempting to tell you, hey, I'm a good person. You're talking to your friends. You're talking to members of the body of Christ. And they're all like, hey, because I'm an anti-racist. Man, you need to ask them to holler at you when when they get a second to have a Bible study. Hey, when we can sit down and look at the word, let let me know when it's a good time for you. Because what that person is telling you and what you need to be well aware of is that that person is telling you I'm given to partiality. I'm giving, I'm given to playing favorites. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will Nestan, Donna McClurkin. All right, back to this Newsweek article. Um, Bethany Christian Services um, deciding that not only... Now, remember, we did a show where we um, informed you that Bethany Christian Services 
which this began in Michigan, but then spread to all of their agencies across the country, was going to allow um, two people of the same sex to adopt children. And they were redefining that and calling that family Mm -hmm. and saying that times have changed. Right. Um, This is one of the reasons why I, I chose to highlight this Newsweek article, because Naomi Schaefer Riley actually points that out. And I think it's interesting, the disconnect there that Bethany can't see it. Right. And trying to be relevant, you know, this this attempt to be relevant or woke. Right. Like this attempt to be woke um, causes you to do or to engage in what we have. Well, I'm just going to spend the show referring you to past shows. So we did another (laughs) show where we talked about in vogue sin, where we live in the current cultural climate that only allows you to attack certain sin as if, you know, the rest of them, you know. You just have to ignore because nobody's going to support you if you speak out. Right. Well, that's why the word of God provides for us great direction yeah. and great instruction. Amen. Amen. Because as I often say, you can just get in line <laughs> because human. Yeah. Right. You can just get in line. Right. So here we go back to this Newsweek article. And again, the topic is the racism of the anti-racists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, in 2017, the ACLU filed a lawsuit against Michigan's Department of Health and Human Services on behalf of two same-sex couples claiming that by contracting with religious agencies like Bethany that don't place children with gay couples, the state was engaged in discrimination. While Bethany was only responsible for placing 12% of the state's foster children, and there were many other agencies in the state that did serve gay couples, and no evidence that any gay couples were unable to adopt in Michigan. Uh, There was no evidence of that. Um, The ACLU lawyers maintain that according, I'm sorry, that allowing agencies to be exempt from the state's non-discrimination rules because of their religious beliefs uh, could be the difference, quote, between a child finding a permanent loving home or staying in the system, end quote. Mm. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? When it came down to same-sex couples Mm -hmm. adopting children, Bethany's decision to discriminate (laughs) could make the difference between a child finding a permanent loving home or (laughs) staying in the system. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Man. man. (laughs) Just, just, Jeff, just keep your finger on the uh, levels because I get hype (laughs) and I know it can cause things to crackle. I'm sure people listening in their cars are like, girl, give a warning. I'm sorry, y'all. All All right. Let me continue with this Newsweek article. (laughs) Okay. In 2019, Bethany relented, reaching a settlement with state. Nathan Bolt, I think is how you say the name, a spokesman for the agency told the Detroit Free Press, quote, these days, families look a lot different than they did when we started. Guys, I don't have to say so much, right? Right? I don't have to say so much. They say it all. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. These days, families look a lot different than they did when we started. And Bethany is committed to welcoming and serving all of them. The need is great. So we are taking an all hands on deck approach, end quote. Mm. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Wait. Rewind the tape. <laughs> the need is great. Direct quote. The, the need, need is great. great mm-hmm. So we are taking an all hands on deck approach, end quote. Okay. Unless. <laughs> unless. Unless you're white. Mm-hmm. 
a.k.a. oppressor, and you want to adopt a black child, a.k.a. oppressed, then not your hands. Amazing. Put your hands down. Get your hands off the deck. No, not you. Now, this is um, this is totally in line with a Christian calling. You know, I can just I'm just I'm just trying to picture Jesus saying, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid. Wait, well, forbid that one Mm. for forbid that one. But the rest of them. Wait, and that one over there, what's his color? That one. Forbid that one. So so all of you right here, this color scheme, you guys come to me. Forbid them not. But those you can hold them back over there. Bethany, shame on you. Yes. (laughs) Shame on you. That's not Christian. That's not Christian. So in your anti-racism, you've become racist by this culture's definition of it. I I could I'm not going to I can't. I'm, you know, I keep thinking about our friend Ryan Baumberger. Come on, man. And people like that, you know, that (laughs) I mean, come on, man. They they found loving homes, found Christ, (laughs) you know, through loving homes. And and this thing would say, like, no, 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 they shouldn't be placed with those families because they're not the same, you know, color. This is crazy. But if it's a homosexual it, it really, family, quote unquote, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. come on, go ahead. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that we are not allowed to think of any any possible trauma that might exist? Right. If you take a child and take that child and, and and put that child in an environment, in a setting where he or she does not have access to a picture of family as God designed, because isn't it what you're attempting to do? You're attempting to give that kid back something that should have been his or hers. Mm-hmm. That he or she lost, right? Um, because of abandonment, because of abuse, because of neglect, which is the number one reason why children are languishing in foster care. Neglect is the number one reason. Okay. So isn't it isn't it the purpose that you're trying to give that kid back something that they have lost? And you're trying to give them this picture. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian adoption agency, <laughs> right? Aren't you trying to <laughs> give them a biblical picture of family yes. as best you can. Yes. That God has a design for family. Okay. So then let's put that under one hat and then let's go over to the other hat and then let's ask. So, but we're not allowed to ask if there is the possibility of any trauma that a kid does not have that, that a kid grows up thinking that what the Bible says is unnatural affection is suddenly natural affection because why mm, 21st century America. <laughs> and so then you, now you, now you say, that the color of people's skin, watch this, having taken no action, mm. having done nothing, just the color of their skin becomes the very clear and present possibility of trauma. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to make that work as a Christian. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make. No, I can't, I can't find any support for that. Now, I, I will tell you something, and I, I want to go back to this Newsweek article here, but, but I will tell you something. The reality is what Acts 17.26 teaches us. This idea of multiple races and multiple, um, quote-unquote, orders of creation and all of these things, man, this is a lie, right? This is a lie. And unfortunately, Christians don't know enough and do not believe the word of God 
So we have not rejected the lies. Our mm-hmm. kids are being taught this, by the way. They're being taught evolution. They're being taught these different levels of, of evolution. And so color of skin based on what level you're on. Okay. So our kids are being taught this, right? And then we expect them to believe that from one man, God made everyone to dwell on the face of the earth. Acts 17, 26, like from one blood, like we're, we expect them to believe that when what they are learning um, actually contradicts that. Right. Okay. But still, here is the question that is a this there is a way to have a conversation that is a legitimate conversation. So when you talk about cultural differences, is there a cultural difference? Depending on the age of the child that the child may have been accustomed to. Yeah, that's that's a legitimate conversation. Mm -hmm. Is it a cultural difference that is worth the child's suffering languishing in a system that is not a home. It is a system. No, No, it isn't. Absolutely not. No, it isn't. Why? Because one blood, one blood. So here's the question. If you have a child who like, cause these are, these are all the things like, how is the kid going to know? How's the kid going to know their identity? How's the kid going to know who they are? Well, for the Christian, come on. For the Christian, if yes. you're a Christian, you know, adoption agency, Come on. man, this is going to, this is egregious to me. That's the first question. This is egregious because it's going to cause a lot of children not to come in, in contact with the gospel in a family context. Yes. Now, I yes. know this is not every Christian yes. adoption agency, and I hope no other ones follow this type of uh, <laughs> thing. But, man, these are... These are opportunities that will be missed because of skin color. Yes. Look, let me let me say something because you you the the first direction that we have to go in is identity in Christ. Amen. So when you ask the question, how is the kid going to know his or her identity? Listen, the first and foremost, the chief identity that we have is as Christ followers. Amen. So what you would have once presumed would have been a Christian adoption agency placing children with Christians. You would have assumed that that would have been the first aim of that family. Yeah. That this kid will come to know Christ. But can I tell you something else? These are things that we don't we don't think of. There is a learning curve. There is a learning curve whenever the family is upset. Whenever the family is sort of out of whack, when, when, when what God has designed, there is going to be, let me say, there will be obstacles. You will have to overcome some stuff. I was thinking about this and, and, and Will, you and I have talked about this because in, in looking at our children, how they have these different personalities, but our children have personalities that are similar to our own. Mm-hmm. And I have said, man, you know, I, I look at Gabby and Gabby's personality is very, very similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm teaching her, I understand her and I understand you, actually, mm-hmm. as I observe her and realize that this is wow, this is just how she is designed. It's not that anything happened. This is just her personality. Mm-hmm. So what I learn is how to parent her based on that personality Even if the kid is not in an adoptive family, let's say if the kid is in a family where the dad is not present. Yeah. And let's say the kid 
has the dad's personality. And the kid is struggling trying to figure out, well, mm. I'm not like my mom. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Like struggling, wrestling, trying. Haven't we've had these conversations where it's like, well, no, I, I don't I, I don't really enjoy those things. Yeah. I don't really like to do those things. And so then you have the other person, right? Think about this, guys, who's able to come around and say, Yeah, you know, I'm kind of like that too. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to, <laughs> right? So even if you take a family where there's just brokenness yeah. and there's a component of that missing. The struggle is how do you how does that kid come to understand himself, herself, mm-hmm. right? So the bottom line is first and foremost, you want intact families. Yeah. That's what yeah. ultimately you want intact families. Yeah. Because God is wise. Come on. Because God puts families together. And in his wisdom, man, he comes to our aid mm-hmm. and he shows us how to parent our children. Man, in his wisdom. And even in his mercy, you know, they have some of our traits. And so then we learn how to parent them better because we know some of those traits. God in his wisdom. But the reality is that there is brokenness. And so it can't always be this way. Yeah. So there's going to be an obstacle that has to be overcome no matter what. But these people are choosing what they want to focus on. They're choosing which obstacles they want to grab their attention. So the result of this. By the way, I was I was looking at um, looking at some information about who adopts children and on the top, the top five categories of who adopts children. um, Number four is Christians and number five. This says Caucasian. So white people, non-Hispanic white adults, non-Hispanic white adults, 73 percent of adoptive parents Hmm. fall into this category. So now what Bethany Christian services, what they're saying is that those white families that are known to, so to speak, line up to adopt children. They're going to have to be selective. They're going to have to say whites only. Man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just think about that. Going backwards. Just think about that. And, 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 and so now we normalize that. This is congratulations to the anti-racist. Congratulations to the anti-racist who say, and, and watch it, what, congratulations to the black anti-racists who say, I'm not adopting any children. I got, I got to know, I'm not adopting any children. But no, but the white people can't adopt them either, though. Hmm. So what, what shall become of them? <laughs> I don't know. But but this is you're you're helping. How are you helping? How are you helping? You aren't helping. You're hurting. And for a Christian organization to adopt this as normative. For a Christian organization to take its cues from the world to go outside of scripture. But then we shouldn't be surprised because this is what Bethany did in saying that all families are family. (laughs) All families. We just it's all hands on deck except white hands (laughs) and black kids. It's foolishness, guys. When we come back, we'll open the phone lines. I specifically would like to hear from white families that have adopted black children. If you're listening, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to hear your perspective. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back.
into interracial adoption is not new, of course. Prior to the civil rights movement, it was widespread. The first record of a transracial adoption in America occurred in 1948. But while attitudes about interracial families changed among the public, a 2017 survey by the Dave Thomas Foundation of Potential Adoptive Parents found that almost half had no preference at all about the race of the child they would adopt. They remained entrenched in the world of child welfare. In 1972, the National Association of Black Social Workers, the National Association of Black Social Workers took up the cause issuing a statement that took a vehement stand against the placement of black children in white homes for any reason. Mm. The National Association of Black Social Workers. Thanks. Thanks. The group called transracial adoption, quote, unnatural, unnecessary and artificial and argued that such placements were evidence of the continued chattel status of African-Americans. Mm. So probably best to just let them live in herds rather than actually put them in families. You know, I mean, c- unfortunately, that attitude meant that a lot of black children languished in foster care rather than finding permanent homes today as back then. There are many more black children in foster care than there are black families volunteering to take them today. As back then, there are many more black children in foster care than there are black families volunteering to take them in. The reasons for this are varied. As the Bethany report points out, black children are removed from their homes at a higher rate than white children. What the report doesn't point out, though, is that black children are also abused and neglected at twice the rate of white children. And they are more than twice as likely to die as a result of maltreatment than white children. So the anti-racists are the racists who don't care about black children. The anti-racists are the racists. All right, let's go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Kim in Mississippi. Hi, Kim. Hey, how are you guys? Doing Hello. good. Hello. Um, hi, I had just gotten in my car when you were talking about Bethany's new policy. Uh, as someone who used to work for the company, um, that... Um, shift, I would say Bethany is only Christian by title because mm-hmm. that shift of away from Christian and biblical views happened in 2018 mm-hmm. when they were being sued, I think, in Pennsylvania uh, for same-sex couples being able to adopt. Right. And you just saw it. I, and so my the reason I'm calling is because I was the safe family, I was part of safe families, and most of our people who wanted to help families were were white, Caucasian, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And we, we crossed racial lines with families in need, mostly being black or Hispanic, and mm-hmm. but they would work alongside these families who didn't care. And that's what the body of Christ is about. Like we, Amen. Our culture, it's Christ over culture. Come like, on. We're here to help. Amen. Come on. And so we, we as our organization in Mississippi, when that shift happened, 
um, into it doesn't families are families. <laughs> we pulled out and yeah. we shut down Bethany Christian Services in our state mm. and moved on to a different biblical aligned adoption agency. Good for so y'all. I just was, it was just um, heart wrenching to see the the shift of and now it's shifting again. And when there is no biblical foundation, mm-hmm. no reach out, then the world's going to dictate what they do. Mm, Kim, thank you so much for your insight. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your perspective wow. and your firsthand account. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. Man, may God be glorified Amen. in the bold move that Amen. your organization Amen. took to detach to from <laughs> that dead weight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for God's glory. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Natalie in Tennessee. Hi, Natalie. Hey, Addison. It's been a very long time since I've called in, and I'll have to listen to the first half of your show because I just got in my car as well. But, um, hmm. yeah, I'm trying to even gather my words just because it's made me emotional <laughs> hearing all of this because um, um, me and my husband, we are both white. We both have, um, obviously, um, two biological kids, but we were foster parents for a long time, and mm-hmm. our third son legally is ours yes he is darker skin but like he is my son yes <laughs> which blows my mind he and it's not to bad mouth his mom i will at least say this because y'all don't know identities but like his mom was in foster care so she also never saw what normal was and i will always give her credit for at least giving birth to him because mm-hmm. I'm sure she had choices she could have made otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, when I look at him, um, and my gosh, y'all can appreciate this, like he lost his first tooth last night, and he's so excited. <laughs> he wasn't worried about what color the tooth fairy was or who was doing anything, you know what I'm saying, like that. Yeah. Like, he just, like, we are providing for his needs. We love him. We have been Amen. there literally since he was nine months old. Wow. So mm-hmm. for people... And I will say this, and maybe things have changed, but truly, granted, we live in Memphis, and there's a lot of history here, mm-hmm. racially, mm-hmm. but usually when we get looks, it is not from, like, who most people would think we get looks from. It's not our white family and friends, mm. and we go to a very diverse church, but yeah, I mean, we wow. it took us a while to find a barbershop that everybody <laughs> was welcoming to us and comfortable. It shouldn't wow. be that way, but it wow. was, and that's yeah. fun. Yeah. We're a little twisted and knew what we signed up for. <laughs> but even fostering in the beginning, I remember before he was even placed in our home, we literally had to have a conversation with, um, you know, the placement personnel and was like, we never literally to what y'all were speaking to, we never checked a box of who we were and weren't willing to take in terms of appearance and skin color, maybe age because of our biological kids. Mm. But that was about it. They were the ones discriminating against us. Mm. until we called them on it and then literally he shows up you know as a nine-month-old after he was abandoned at four days old by his mom into our home and that's never changed and like Mm. i know god put him in our home for a reason amen but when you hear that it should not like anyway i love y'all and i want to know that just y'all have helped us through so much but it's a shame it really is no, it is. God bless you. Thank God you so much you. for sharing your testimony. I, we're going to go back to the phone lines here. But before we do that, I want to say something that I think is really important for everyone to understand. What Bethany is doing, and this is so unfortunate for a so-called Christian organization to be doing this. What Bethany is doing is Bethany is marring our understanding of adoption. Yeah. 
Mm. Right. That when you <laughs> adopt a kid and you bring this kid into your family, this kid oh, now man. has all the full rights Come and on. privileges of whatever your last name is. That mm. kid is is that last name. This yes. is you. And, and let me tell you, if we make that kid even just for a moment bending to the anti-racist, you know what I'm saying? So that we say, well, that kid is in your family, but it's not of your family. The kid he or she is not of your family. Mm -hmm. If we bow to that for a second, we mar the picture of what it is to be adopted into the family of God. Oh, Do you guys understand man. that? God is not looking at us and going, but you know, you know who you really are. No, he has brought us into his family Damn. through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been adopted into God's family. What did Paul, what <laughs> did Paul tell the Ephesians? I want you to listen for a second. This is what Paul told the Ephesians. In chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, mm. alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall mm. of hostility. Listen, what Bethany is saying is that, you know, adoption is not real. It's <laughs> not real. Our understanding of adoption must be rooted in scripture. Amen. If it's if you're just a second class, do you understand the implications of that people? Man. Why man. we reject this? Yeah, they need for to, so many reasons. They need to shut their doors, man. If they're gonna do that, take the Christian off. Come and on, then go ahead and do what y'all want to do because you're right, man. That's so and that's powerful. You know the picture that we have because we have been adopted, all Come of us. Come on, man. Come <laughs> on. You know, and, and none and of us is worthy. And what happened when we were adopted? Mm, kind of had to learn a new culture. <laughs> kind of had to learn a new Come way of on. living. It wasn't the old world that we were acquainted with, but that's okay because it was for the better. Amen. We had, we couldn't look, we couldn't just keep our old ways of doing things when those ways were offensive to God. So, yep, we had a little, we had a learning curve. Mm -hmm. We had to, we had to learn a new culture <laughs> and, and it was uncomfortable for many of us. And we fumbled still fumbling over a lot of it, but God is patient with us and he is loving and the blood of his son is sufficient. Now, listen, you don't start trying to. Well, OK, let's go back to the phone lines. <laughs> All right. Back to the phone line. 888-589. This is egregious, man. This is It really is. If they want <sighs> anti. They Anti is in for them. Maybe the anti needs. May, OK, All right, back to the phone lines. <laughs> back to the phone lines. All right. Let's go to Justin in Oklahoma. Hi, Justin. Hi there. How are you all? Hello. Good. Um, I uh, was just wanting to call uh, and offer a foster parent perspective. Um, sure. My wife and I are foster parents in the state of Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, uh, as you know, there's uh, many civilized Native American tribes here. Hmm. And there's a federal law called the Indian Child Welfare Act. And what that is in a nutshell is if there's a Native child that comes into custody, they either have to be placed with a member of the same tribe or another federally recognized tribe, and then thirdly, a last resort, a non-native foster home. Now, what that has done, and this will give you a preview of what will happen if places like Bethany have their way. 
What this has done with Native children is it places them having to find a placement in a minority of a minority. You have to take a Native American home and then find a Native American home that's certified as a foster family. And so as a result, in the state of Oklahoma, there are several Native American children who are sitting in foster care, and they cannot be adopted, and they have to sit there and age out of the system and then be put back on the streets. Wow. Oh. wow. And uh, the Lord has blessed my wife and I that just because my dad's Cherokee, um, we've been able to remove one of those off the street, a beautiful Ponca Indian baby girl. Uh, mm. that we'll be able to adopt hopefully this year. Uh, so please be in prayer for that. But mm. it just makes my blood boil because that is exactly what will happen to black children if wow. you put in a policy that says that only black families can take them. You will get a generation of children setting in foster care. They will age out, and they will be back on the streets, and it is just egregious. Oh, man, you are spot on, Justin. That's man. I think you beautifully made the point that that we've been trying to make this entire program. That is exactly what happens. That is exactly what Bethany is saying is okay. That's what the anti-racists want. That's they they will say that they love and that they care. But they the anti-racists are the racists. All right. Let's try. Can we squeeze in one maybe one more call before the end of the show? Will the great. All right. Let's go to Andy in Georgia. Hi, Andy. Hey, Will. Man, first of all, real quick, I want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm, I got a godly jealousy of you, man, for having such a good wife that works with you. Actually, I'm jealous. Of both of y'all. <laughs> I'm jealous of God bless. And God I appreciate bless. what y'all do. And like that, and like that last caller just said, man, and this shit, this this stuff makes my blood boil. Mm-hmm. I'm not really Come on. I'm trying to do that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, and that the bad part is. I had to learn the whole way, and that's why I sympathize so many. Because I've been through prison, you know, in and out, and I've learned what's going on. And I know the number one thing in prison was no daddy in the home. It don't mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, <clears throat> it's crazy what they're doing, and, and yeah. we do need to let a big blood boil because uh, it, it's simple, love and respect. And man, and the devil's been at work for a long, long time mm-hmm. doing this, trying to divide us. And the Christians, man, the church, I'm, it's the church's fault. I mean, plain and simple, man, we've been too weak. Yeah. Whenever he went up in there and that day was selling stuff in that tabernacle, he flipped the table over. You know, they flipped flipped my table over. I'm not going to be happy about it. So (laughs) he he knew there was consequences, but I don't know what they saw. And that's why when I was in prison, I was in one of the prisons. Man, Andy, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate you. I want to just, uh, just to echo what the point that you made here as, as we, well, as we go to the end of the show, the church has a huge responsibility we are tasked with being salt and light. We are tasked with holding the line in culture. Amen. We are supposed to be pointing people to the holiness of God, the otherness of God that he has set apart, that he is different from us, right? We're supposed to be showing the world that difference. It's supposed to be reflected in how we live. But when we are found to be living like the world, where is the distinction? The salt has lost its savor. So so where is the saltiness coming from? Where, where, what do you do with it? What good is it? We know what the word says. All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.